millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone. Just before we start this episode, I'd like to tell you about the UK's fifth most popular book. And it is Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire by J.K. Rowling. But guess what? It's not available as an audiobook yet. So we're just going to skip forward to the sixth most popular book in the UK, according to a BBC survey, and it is To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. Now, this is a book that so many of us read as part of the national curriculum at school. It's now considered a classic of modern American literature. Harper Lee's prize-winning masterwork of honour and injustice in the Deep South and the heroism of one man in the face of blind and violent hatred is now available as a digital audiobook, and it is read out by Oscar-winning actress Sissy Spacek. One of the best-loved stories of all time, To Kill a Mockingbird, has been translated into more than 40 languages, sold more than 30 million copies worldwide, served as the basis for an enormously popular motion picture, and was voted one of the best novels of the 20th century by librarians all across the country. You can download it free as part of a 30-day trial membership of Audible, the internet's largest collection of downloadable audiobooks. To get it, just go to audibletrial.com forward slash teacher Luke or click one of the Audible buttons on my website. I'll tell you more about the UK's favourite books in the future, but for now, let's get started with this episode. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hi, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Luke's English Podcast. This one is all about superstitions. Oh, yes. Superstitions. Now, every country and culture seems to have particular superstitions. They can be quite a large part of the life or culture of that place. For example, if you've been living in a different country for a while, you've probably noticed that certain things are part of the common belief system, and that will no doubt involve some superstitions. And they even find their way into the language, too. Even if you don't really believe them, it's quite useful to know about the main superstitions in a country so that you can avoid doing something wrong, like, for example, opening an umbrella indoors in the UK. Or you can just follow what is being talked about and understand all the different reference points in conversation and perhaps add your own comments as part of everyday conversation. For example, in English, using expressions such as touch wood or fingers crossed, both of which are commonly used phrases which are connected to superstitious beliefs. Now, uh, since Luke's English podcast tends to focus on all things British or all things UK-ish, what are the top superstitions in the UK? What are those things that many people in the UK follow as everyday superstitions? Well, in this episode, I'm going to go through a list of 13 superstitions. That's right, 13, which is unlucky for some. 13 superstitions which are commonly held in the UK. 
Do you know what they are? Any idea what those 13 things could be? You listen and find out all the details. We'll also consider where these superstitions actually come from and why people still hold on to them. So join me. And in the comments section, also, you can tell me if you share these superstitions in your countries. Uh, what, uh, what are the most common superstitions where you come from? And generally, what do you think about superstitious beliefs? Okay? Now, a lot of what you're hearing here on, the, on this episode of the podcast is written on the page for this episode at teacherluke.co.uk. If you want to do some studying, then you most certainly can. Um, I'm not going to stop you. Um, what you can do is, and here are some suggestions, if you want to do some language study, you could check the script. Um, as I said, find the page for this episode. Uh, you'll see that most of what I'm saying is transcribed there for you. You can check that script, compare what you heard uh, in the podcast with what you read in the script. Um, that would allow you to check out the way that I pronounce words and phrases. You can check out new words, add them to a vocabulary bank. Maybe you're keeping a record of all your vocab, so you can just you know, copy paste all the words into your vocab bank. Uh, you could repeat, uh, you could repeat, or even just repeat. Because let's face it, repeat isn't a word. So never mind, repeat. Don't add that one into the vocab bank. Anyway, you could repeat certain phrases after me if you wanted to. You could record yourself reading parts of the transcript and then compare them with the way that I did it. Or you can record yourself reading. Uh, you can record yourself repeating the transcript, or simply record yourself speaking freely with a transcript and then listen back to it in order to get some perspective on your speaking. That can be a good way of self-studying with Luke's English podcast. Or, of course, if you prefer, you can just sit back, brew up a lovely nice cup of tea or whatever you want and just enjoy listening to another episode of this podcast. Um, if you fancy making a donation to, to reward me for my hard work and dedication, then of course you can. I'm not going to stop you doing that either. Uh, there are donate buttons on the page for this episode. Uh, also, don't forget to take advantage of that offer from audible.com. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash teacher Luke or click one of the audible buttons on the page to sign up for a 30-day trial membership. Uh, they will let you download one audiobook for free during that 30-day period. And if you don't like Audible, you can just cancel the membership and you can keep the audiobook free. Um, I've been recommending some popular books at the beginning of episodes of Luke's English Podcast recently. Uh, you could choose one of those. But they do have about 180,000 titles uh, to choose from. So you can just explore the website to find out what kind of book you'd like. But remember, if you'd like to get that 30-day free trial, do it by visiting audibletrial.com forward slash teacherluke. Do it using my offer code there. Or you can just click one of the Audible buttons on my website and that will take you straight to the right place. Okay. Right, so let's carry on now talking about superstitions. Uh, what is a superstition? What is it? Well, basically, it's a belief in unnatural causality. The idea that one thing causes another thing to happen, even though there is no scientific evidence to explain it. For example, the idea that crossing your fingers helps to bring good luck. I mean, how could that bring good luck, really? What, your fingers have got magical qualities, and if you, you know, cross them over, then suddenly good luck is created in the universe? It's very weird. Uh, there's no real rational uh, explanation for it, and yet many, many people do it almost sort of without being able to uh, stop. 
They don't even think about it. They just do it automa- automatically, even if they don't believe it. For example, I'm constantly crossing my fingers. You know, in a moment, for example, if I'm watching England play football, I'll cross my fingers, I'll cross my toes, like, please score a goal. Please don't humiliate me in front of the, the world again. Please don't make England look bad. And I cross everything. I'm crossing my legs. I'm crossing all of the available fingers. I'm crossing my arms, crossing my, all of my toes. I'm even crossing some other things that you might not expect me to cross. Yes. And does it help? No, of course not, because England always managed to, uh, you know, just make everyone look bad. And it's always an embarrassment. So, but we still cross our fingers. Why? Why are we doing this? Um, so there is the example of crossing your fingers to bring good luck, or the idea that if you talk about the devil, he will magically appear. These are all leaps of faith, um, beliefs that require you to suspend your need for evidence and just believe something that has no rational explanation. And so many of us make leaps of faith on a daily basis, some of us more than others. But even the most rational person can be, inf- can be influenced by superstitious beliefs and behaviour. Personally, I don't really believe in superstitions because I like to believe I'm a modern, scientifically-minded person. But saying that, I do find that from time to time, my behaviour betrays my rational thinking. For example, I'll cross my fingers, or um, I don't like to open umbrellas in the house. Don't like to do it. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, I don't like to walk under ladders. In fact, I will often cross the road in order to avoid walking under a ladder. Um, I will often uh, touch something that's made of wood as well and say, touch wood in in order to avoid tempting fate. I can't help it. I know there's no evidence that superstitions are real, but sometimes I just can't help acting on some superstitious beliefs. Beliefs? and beliefs as well. Uh, of course, I'm not the only one that, you know, so many other people do it around the world. It's, uh, it's weird, isn't it? Um, do you know what I mean by tempting fate? Um, tempting fate would be like, um, if, if you imagine that fate is a, is a person, a person who d- dictates everything that happens in the future, uh, tempting fate would be a bit like kind of um, making... Um, sort of trying to, without necessarily wanting to, just sort of giving fate the opportunity to do something bad. Like, for example, if England are going to play football against Brazil or something, and you say, yeah, I think we're going to be all right. I think we're going to win. I'm I'm confident that you could be uh, accused of tempting fate in that situation because fate will listen to you going, yeah, England are going to win. We invented football. Yeah, no problem, no worries. And fate will go, oh yeah, oh yeah, getting cocky, are you? Getting arrogant, we'll see about that. And then um, it's just an, an invitation for te- uh, fate to, uh, you know, do something bad for you. Do you understand? Do you get the idea? It's like, go- it's like going into an exam, going, oh, I don't need to revise, I'm fine, I'm going to be all right. And, tempt, uh, and, and fate goes, oh, getting cocky, I see. Well, we'll soon, see, we'll soon see about that, and then fate uh, gives you a really difficult exam question. So, tempting fate, and you can actually knock—you can touch wood as a way of cancelling out that temptation of fate. So, you might say, um, you know, if it's your wedding day the next day, you can say, "Well, the weather looks good. I think the—I think the sun's going to shine." Touch wood, and touch wood. There is just a way of uh, kind of protecting yourself against bad luck or a way of 
preventing fate from stepping in to ruin your plans okay so saying that the weather looks good is 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 like test uh, tempting fate because fate then goes hmm okay then if you think the weather's gonna be good i'm gonna make it rain because that's what fate does if you believe in that i mean if you do believe in fate what is why i mean what's fate got against us if we i mean is fate there just to make life difficult for us just so that we can never predict what's going to happen what's what's his agenda fate if he is a person what's his general plan it's like well i can't really decide what to do i'm just going to see what people think i'm going to do and then do the opposite of that okay just to mess with you what annoying twat he is i understand that by saying that fate is an annoying twat if you're superstitious you could believe that i'm tempting fate by saying that he's annoying and then fate's gonna go oh, you think i'm annoying do you i'm gonna make you step in a dog poo next time you walk down the street now see how annoying i am um anyway i'm not going to get into an argument with fate uh, at this moment uh no i'm not no i'm trying to close the window why isn't it closing <laughs> this is fate isn't it getting his revenge on me okay let me explain what's going on uh while i was talking there i noticed there was a fly flying around the room you might have even heard it going zzz, and i thought i'll open the window and you heard me opening the window and so i opened the window and now i'm ready to close the window again but guess what i can't close it something st- something stuck Clearly, this is fate getting his revenge. What a what a weird and petty way to get revenge on me, though. Like, oh yeah, you think I'm annoying, do you? All right, then you'll you'll pay for that, Luke Thompson. I'm going to make the window difficult to close. Why, fate? I'm going to get you. Um, all right, why isn't that closing? Um, there seems to be no reason why that. Oh yeah, it's fine. Fine, it worked. Okay, you know why it worked? Oh no, it didn't work. Okay, hold on. I'm going to pause the podcast. I'll get back to you on this. By the time I start recording again, uh, I will have fixed the window and everything will be all right again. I'm going to touch wood because the window is made of wood. That's going to remove all of that negative energy that uh, I brought to me by having a go at uh, fate. And then I'll close the window and then we'll carry on with the podcast. Okay, so stay tuned to find out what happens with the window. Okay, did it. No problem. You know what the the thing was that I... Yesterday, I bought a blind from Ikea. You know those things that you pull down to cover the window? Because up here in the Skypod, where I record episodes of the podcast, during the day, it can get rather bright when the sun's shining through the windows. So I installed these blinds above the the windows. I'm quite proud of my work. Did it myself. Drilled them in and everything. Um, And I attached the blinds above the windows and you just pull them down. And uh, the blinds are up, but I just uh, opened the window, and of course the end, the top of the blind got stuck in the window, didn't it? So there was me trying to close the window, and I couldn't because the blind was stuck in it. Just the normal trials and tribulations of uh, of modern life there. Uh, first world problem, really, isn't it? I can't close my window because my nice IKEA blind got in the way. Uh, I've got I've got a good bit of advice for you, ladies and gents. You know when you're drilling a, a hole in the wall. You know, when you've got a drill, you drill a hole in the wall in order to attach something to the wall. It could be a blind, it could be some shelves or something like that, right? Now, uh, when you drill into the wall, all that dust comes out, doesn't it? And you end up with dust all over the floor and you've got to hoover it up afterwards. Well, I've got a brilliant solution to that problem. 
Um, and uh, what you do is you get a post-it note. You know, you know, post-it notes. They're like those little uh, fluorescent. Uh, uh, you get usually they're square and they are bright colours, like yellow or green or pink or something. And uh, the little pieces of paper, and you pull the top one off, and it's got a sticky, uh, like a little bit of glue at the top. And you could write a note on it and stick it somewhere. And it stays there, but you can pull it off and it doesn't leave like a glue residue. You know what I mean? You have them in the office and students use them a lot. So a post-it note. What you do, right, is once you've uh, marked where you want to drill your hole. Uh, this, By the way, this has got absolutely nothing to do with superstitions, I think. But anyway, I think it's good advice, which uh, I have to just communicate with you now. So you, once you've decided where you're going to drill the hole in the wall okay you've marked it with a pen or pencil or something take your post-it note okay and you stick it just under the hole so you just stick the post-it note onto the wall just under the hole and then you fold the post-it note in half so you kind of fold it up so it's still stuck to the wall but the bottom half is folded up and then you end up with like this little tray that catches all the dust when you drill the hole. So you drill the hole just above the post-it note, all the dust falls into this little tray, this magical tray that you've made out of a post-it note, and then you don't need to get the hoover, you don't need to clean anything up, you just remove the post-it note carefully from the wall, fold it up, and stick it in the bin. Isn't that brilliant? Yes, it is, ladies and gents. So not only do I teach you English and help you with that, I'm also helping you with your DIY issues. Yes, I am. You're welcome. Um, Anyway, what was I saying? Um, Let's consider some of the UK's most common superstitions. And of course, I would be delighted if all of the Lepsters out there in different countries around the world shared their superstitions too. What are the superstitions in your countries? What do you think of the superstitions I'm describing in this episode? And generally, do you believe in any superstitions? And if you do, why? Uh, Share your thoughts here and practice your English too. So, Here is a list of the UK's most common superstitions with some explanations too. I wonder if you can predict what some of these superstitions might be if you know UK culture a little bit. So we're going to start here at number one with magpies. Magpies. Now, what is a magpie? It's not a type of pie. It's not like a... uh, It's not, you know, like a chicken pie or something. No, a magpie is a sort of bird. Um, They are related to crows. They come from a similar family, the corvid family. So they're related to crows. Um, Okay, so it's a fairly large um, bird, a bit like a crow. It's got a long tail and it's black and white with maybe a little bit of blue, maybe a bit of green on there too. You know what I mean? Um, they're, They're quite big, long tail, black and white, related to crows. They're quite noisy and they steal shiny things. It's one of the things that they're known for. If, for example, you have an open window, uh, with a, a ring in a basket, that it's, it's not uncommon for, uh, magpies to fly to the window if they see something shiny and they'll grab it and take it. So that's one of the things that they do, is they, they steal uh, shiny things. Do you know what kind of birds I mean? If you don't, then there's a picture on the webpage for this episode, and you can actually see. Anyway, magpies. Um, now, in the UK, we have different superstitions for magpies based on how many magpies that you see. Okay? So if you see a magpie, or if you see a number of magpies, then there are different superstitions um, related to those numbers. And this is an 18th century poem um, 
it goes like this. Uh, here's, here's the poem, uh, which is about magpies and their superstitions. So uh, the poem goes like this. One for sorrow, two for joy, three for a girl, four for a boy, five for silver, six for gold, seven for a secret never to be told. So that relates to the number of magpies you see. Okay. So for example, if you see one magpie, that means sorrow. That means bad luck. So it's basically bad luck to see one magpie. But two magpies is joy, two for joy. So if you see two, that's good luck. And that's pretty much it. Although the um, uh, the poem goes on and says three for a girl, four for a boy, five for silver, six for gold, seven for a secret never to be told. Um, really, it's just the first two uh, that we use. So if you see one magpie, that's bad luck. And if you see two, that's good luck. And fortunately for us, magpies often hang around in pairs. Um, so most people know at least the first two rhymes of uh, the first two lines of that rhyme. Um, and there you go. So, and I, I'm not superstitious, as I've said, but even I find that if I see one magpie, I will often look around to try and find another one just to make myself feel better. Um, so there you are. It, next time you're in the UK, if you see one magpie, then you can say one for sorrow. But if you see two, you can say two for joy. Okay. Now, I wonder if there are any loopholes in this kind of superstitious magic. And that if you see one magpie, what is the bad luck? Sometimes I kind of get around it by thinking, oh, I've seen one magpie. What's the bad luck? And then I can think, well, the bad luck is that I saw one magpie. And that's it. You know. Um, anyway. Uh, number two. So number one, magpies. Number two, mirrors. Mirrors. Um, now you should watch out when you're handling mirrors or when you're moving house or doing some DIY. You know what DIY is? I did some yesterday when I put up these blinds. DIY means do it yourself. And it basically refers to all of those sorts of bits of, uh, bits of work that you might do on your house, like fitting some blinds or putting up shelves or doing the painting um diy okay so um watch out if you're doing some diy and you break a mirror because what happens if you break a mirror you'll get seven years of bad luck seven years of bad luck if you break a mirror uh, so, I mean, obviously, it's it's a good idea to take care of mirrors because they can break easily. But I think that breaking a mirror is sort of bad luck, you know, on its own. And it, there's no need to, you know, there's no need to get seven years of bad luck after it. But apparently that is a quite a common superstition. Um, and so what is weird about mirrors and why are we superstitious about breaking them? Well, um, mirrors were once believed to be the windows into other worlds. This is obviously before we understood what mirrors really were. There was a time when we thought they were windows into other worlds. And these were often worlds where things were the wrong way round. Now, people may also have been frightened that a person's reflection shatters when a mirror is broken. And one theory is that mirrors contained a person's soul. So if you break the mirror, then you break the person's soul as well. People used to believe some pretty stupid stuff, don't you think? Um, but anyway, there it is. I mean, I suppose we're still fairly kind of impressed with mirrors. You know, there must be something inside us, something genetic, that is still quite taken by the idea of a mirror, because we don't really understand it. It's quite, it's quite a strange and bizarre thing to see, like, an inverted version of everything captured within this glass. Um, 
So naturally, there's going to be some level of superstitious belief that rises out of that that fairly unexplainable feeling that you have. Um, And it just shows that superstitions often come from our general fear and mistrust of things that we don't understand. Um, If it's amazing and and it's unexplained, then people are probably going to make up all kinds of stuff in order to explain it. Um, Okay. And and that that seems to be quite a common thing, something that's amazing and something that uh, we find hard to rationalize will often just suddenly attach loads of superstitious value to it. Um, And one of those things is maybe the people's sense of superstition about mirrors. But there are other examples of that. And one of them is um, those superstitious emails. Do you remember those? Now, they're they're not so common these days, but in the... um, early days of the internet, the first five, ten years of the internet, when people were still kind of um, mentally dealing with the fact that there was now this incredible world wide web that connected everybody, there there were some people who were superstitious about the internet. And there used to be these emails, and I guess more recently, things like Facebook status uh, updates that people send around, which are connected to various bits of superstition. Um, and... Um, let me let me have a look at an example of one of those emails. You know those things, those, those emails that say, if you don't share this with 100 people, then, you know, your foot will turn into gammon or something. You know that stupid stuff? Like, if you don't share this with 100 people, then you will never own a dog. Um, that's a weird example. But um, um, let me just give you an example of one of these things. Um, okay. who Who's never received one of those hideous string emails? You know, those menacing messages that try to make you feel guilty about something or threaten uh, you to burn in flaming hell if you do not spread the message to 10 people, share it on your wall or retweet it or something. Now, as old as mankind, propagation forms have changed with the times. Many years ago, in another century, you had to handwrite, envelope, stamp and mail every single letter. Imagine having to send a single letter to all your acquaintances. With the arrival of the internet and the impact of new technologies, the speed of propagation of the chains was increased to the nth degree. The methods are extended and then come into play... come into play the the whole sort of forward to five people by email or sms version and somehow later the phenomenon the same phenomenon appears in social networks like share it on your wall or you will turn into a mollusk i mean again that's a weird example Uh, and the question i ask myself is is what what will happen well normally it's not that you'll turn into a mollusk or that you're legs will turn into gammon or something instead normally it's like if you don't share this with 20 people you will be unlucky in love or you'll lose your job or the health of your family will be jeopardized your friends will suffer a scam after opening a link or you'll be charged for using whatsapp messenger um everybody's worst nightmare isn't it being charged to to use whatsapp messenger um so what is it that makes people continue to spread these ridiculous email hoaxes uh, for me, part of it is just that sense of the magic of the internet. The people, certainly in the early days, um, almost on a subconscious level, were impressed by the internet and therefore felt that it contained some magical qualities. Maybe it did. Um, now, these messages take advantage of the good feelings of the people, their greed, their superstitions, and above all, the ignorance of the receiver. So if you're ignorant about the way the internet works, then you might 
you know, there might be part of you that's convinced that if you don't send this email to lots of people, then you will get bad luck because the internet is magical. Um, so modern chains are divided into five very well identified types. Those which will supposedly help you economically. Uh, for example, you know, share this with a hundred people and you will receive a, a you know, uh, a sum of a hundred pounds or something. Uh, there are those which will bring good or bad luck, depending on whether or not you propagate the chain. Like, for example, if you don't share this with a hundred people, then uh, you will be unlucky in love and and uh, and all sorts of things like that. OK, so that's just a few examples of those uh, email chains. But I was talking about mirrors, wasn't I? Um, and trying to explain the superstition around them that that because people don't really understand them and they they they're impressed by them, then they give them these magical powers. Uh, some people also believe that mirrors should be covered up during births and funerals for fear the person's soul might escape through them into another realm. Um, and there's also an urban myth that if you look into a mirror and say Bloody Mary three times then you will conjure up the ghost of a woman called Bloody Mary. And this comes from old folklore. That's kind of scary, isn't it? So don't look into a mirror and say Bloody Mary three times, because apparently you will, you will bring back the ghost of a woman called Bloody Mary. Um, remember my uh, episode about ghost stories? I did one a year or two ago. Um, that makes me think of that. And also, I did one about urban myths, and at the end of that episode, I did promise that I would eventually talk about superstitions on the podcast, and here it is. This is what I'm doing right now. So we've had magpies, we've had mirrors. What's number three? Let me just check the clock. 27 minutes, okay. Uh, number three, uh, umbrellas. I mentioned umbrellas at the beginning. Now, is it a surprise that there's a superstition related to umbrellas in the UK? Is that a surprise? Uh, can you guess what the superstition is? Uh, you, you, I can. I expect that you might be thinking something like this. Well, umbrellas superstition in the UK. Mm, maybe it's if you don't bring an umbrella when when you go out, it's unlucky because you might get wet. Well, not exactly. That's not exactly it. Here's how it goes. Okay, so the myth is that it's unlucky to open an umbrella indoors. So if you're in the house or inside the building, don't open an umbrella because it's unlucky. Okay? Uh, have you ever experienced that? If you've been to the UK and you've come in from the rain and you've got your umbrella and you open the umbrella indoors in order to help it dry, English people or people in the UK might sort of freak out at that point. Like, um, I think, no, it's better if we keep it closed. It's because we're superstitious about having an open umbrella in the house. Now, this is probably related to the fact that umbrellas used to be quite awkward, large things that were difficult to open. Okay, And since our houses in the UK used to be quite small and quite cramped, there was a pretty good chance that you would break something if you opened an umbrella indoors, or at least knock something over with an open umbrella in the house. Okay, so that's that's the, probably the explanation. It's a pretty good one. It's not really that superstitious. I mean, it could be quite dangerous if you open an umbrella indoors, especially if it's a big old-fashioned umbrella. They tend to open rather quickly, and uh, there's a chance that you'll knock something over. So that's probably the origin of that superstition. But there it is. It's still there, even though, you know, umbrellas these days are quite small. And even if you go into a, a building where there isn't, you know, anything to break uh, and there's lots of space, people still don't really feel comfortable with opening umbrellas indoors, okay? So beware 
or be aware that if you come into a house or building in the UK and you leave your umbrella open, perhaps on the floor to dry off, that the Brits might be quietly stressing out at that moment, okay? Um, And uh, again, this is something that I can't help feeling slightly uncomfortable about when I see, which is not logical, but it's hard to completely escape these superstitious feelings. Um, I remember, for example, the school I worked in in London. Um, Of course, we had students from around the world, and sometimes it would rain and they'd have umbrellas and they would all open their umbrellas in the classroom and leave the umbrellas open in the classroom. And I'd be like, can you close the umbrella, please? Uh, I don't want to have a bad lesson. This is a very weird thing to say. Um, So, okay, so just bear that in mind if you're in the UK. And on the subject of umbrellas, um, another cultural myth is that the Brits always have umbrellas with them, and that's not exactly true. Equally, I've met plenty of foreigners who are surprised that we don't all carry umbrellas. They're surprised by the frequency with which we get caught in the rain. I think this is just related to the unpredictability of British weather. It's hard to be prepared all the time. Anyway, that was just a side note about the Brits and umbrellas. The larger point there was, it's bad luck to open an umbrella indoors. Okay. Now, number four, crossed fingers. I mentioned this earlier on. Crossed fingers, or simply saying fingers crossed. Now, this is a way to ensure that lucky things will happen, or it's a way to protect yourself against bad luck. Uh, So if somebody says, well, fingers crossed, what that really means is let's hope it happens, or it might mean let's hope for good luck. Um, So basically, it's like good luck, Uh, or I'm thinking about you, I hope that um, something good happens to you. Well, fingers crossed, okay? Or you might say, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for you today. I'm keeping my fingers crossed for you today. So you might say, well, it's our wedding next Saturday, and, uh, you know, we're really hoping for good weather. You know, we've put so much time into preparing this. So, you know, hopefully the weather will be good, fingers crossed. Okay, or someone might say, well, look, I'm thinking about you for Saturday. I'll be keeping my fingers crossed for you today. All right. Um, Now, also, crossing your fingers is considered to be a way to get away with telling a lie. It's a way that you can lie and protect yourself. You know, obviously, lying is 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 wrong um, and uh, you shouldn't do it. But if you lie with your fingers behind your crossed behind your back, it's like a way of getting out of of the fact that you're telling a lie. So it's a way of sort of legally telling a lie. Um, So now this isn't related to the good luck superstition as far as I know. Uh, But um, for example, if someone says to you, well, I won't tell anyone, but they secretly have their fingers crossed behind their back. That means that they're lying, okay? So it's kind of like a way of identifying when someone is lying. If If someone says something and they've got their fingers crossed, that means they're lying. They don't really mean it. Is that the same in your country? What does f- crossing your fingers mean in your country? And do you have like a physical gesture which um, is used to express good luck? I'm quite curious about that. Leave your comments on the web page. Um, moving on to number five, the fifth superstition in this list. And this one is don't step on the pavement lines. Don't step on the cracks between paving stones. You know, on the on the pavement Certainly in the UK, the pavement is made of paving slabs, these large blocks of stone, these large flat blocks of stone. We call them paving slabs. 
Um, okay, so the pavement, which is where you walk in America. Do you know what they call the pavement? That's right, they call it the sidewalk uh, or the side sidewalk in English. Sidewalk, maybe. Anyway, um, so pavement in the UK. Um, and because our pavements are made of paving stones or paving slabs, they have cracks between the slabs, okay? And you shouldn't step on the cracks. This is particularly true for children, but some adults can't escape it either. Um, now, when we were kids, when, you know, uh, my brother and me, uh, when my brother and I were kids, we used to say, don't step on the cracks or the bears will get you. The bears will get you if you step on the What bears? There are bears? Uh, it seems that we thought there were bears waiting around, just hiding around the corner, waiting for you to step on a crack and then they will get you. Why? Why, why, are the, why are bears protecting the cracks between the paving slabs? What's going on? Are the be- do the bears work for the local government council? And if you step on the cracks, the bears come out and go, oh, you shouldn't step on the cracks, you don't damage the pavement. And that's a bear's voice. No, I don't think that's what it is. But for some reason, we thought that stepping on the cracks was highly dangerous. And if you did it, then the bears would come and get you. Um, I'm sure that this is because adults told us this. Did you think we made this up? I don't think we made it up because kids have been saying this for years. So why is it necessary to tell kids that there are wild animals waiting just around the corner who hate it when you step on the cracks between paving stones? I don't know why that would, why that's necessary. To be honest, truth be told, I think we never really believed the thing about the bears. I think it was just part of a game where you had to avoid walking on the cracks. It just made walking down the street a little bit more fun, a bit more dramatic, and it gave you an excuse to just jump around a little bit, avoiding the cracks. Uh, when we were kids, we used to make up all kinds of games like that all the time. Not for superstitious reasons, but just for fun. And I think that's just what kids do, isn't it? For my brother and me, uh, it was always sharks and lava. It always involved sharks and lava for some reason. Um, Sharks, you know what they are, those dangerous fish like jaws. And lava, that's the molten rock that pours out of a, a volcano when a volcano erupts. Rivers of lava might flow down the side of the volcano, okay? So when we were kids, it was all about sharks and lava, Okay, those are the two most exciting things that we could think of. Or maybe electricity. Maybe sometimes things were uh, like connected up to a, an extremely powerful electrical charge. So it's either sharks or lava or electricity. Um, and what we used to do is we would put cushions on the floor between the chairs and the sofa. So we have these sort of like stepping stones of cushions um, or little islands of cushions. And all the carpet around the cushions was either lava or it was electrical you know it would electrocute you or it was shark infested water and if if you so much as stepped on the carpet you'd either be killed by the lava eaten by the sharks or electrocuted to death and then what we'd do is we'd just run around climbing and jumping on the sofa jumping on the chairs and cushions avoiding the lava and avoiding the 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 sharks and the electricity and then if we had to walk to the shop we would jump along the pla- uh, the pavement avoiding the cracks because apparently if you step on the cracks that's bad luck because the bears will get you <laughs> good times they were really good times do you have the same thing where you're from what 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 happens to you if you step on the cracks where you come from anyway um there's another rhyme there's another rhyme here 
don't step on a line or you'll fall and break your spine. Don't step on a crack or you'll fall and break your back. Hmm. It seems that bad luck is waiting everywhere for you. Just walking down the street in the wrong way can cause you to have a serious injury or even worse, be attacked by dangerous animals. Now, reasons here. I think the that rhyme, don't step on a line or you'll fall and break your spine. By the way, your spine is your backbone. It goes all the way up your back. It's a complicated set of bones that are connected to, together. That's your spine. Don't walk on a line or you'll fall and break your spine. Don't step on a crack or you'll fall and break your back. Reasons? Well, I suppose cracks in the pavement can be dangerous. It's probably quite wise to teach children to be careful when they walk down the road because you could trip and fall. Could you really break your spine? I suppose it's possible if you fall really badly. Um, And also I expect that in the past the pavement was probably less even or less safe than it was now. I suppose there were times where the paving stones were not very well installed and there were larger cracks and it was more... uh, likely that you would fall over and have an injury Um, today you can actually sue the council for an accident caused by an uneven pavement you can sue the council you can take the council to court and sue them Uh, but probably not in the old days in the old days what happened was you'd walk down the street and you'd trip up and break your back and then you get eaten by a huge animal a bear That's if you manage to survive the sharks and the lava anyway. Right, moving on to number six. um, Superstition number six in this list of the UK's uh, most common superstitions. Number six is all about numbers. Numbers. Now, what list of superstitions would be complete without something about numbers? Now, lucky and unlucky numbers are common in many countries and cultures, and the UK is no exception. Seven is usually seen as the luckiest number. Um, And in fact, here is some information on that from a website called psychiclibrary.com. Psychiclibrary.com. Now, I'm a bit sceptical about all that psychic stuff, but anyway, here's a bit of info about why the number seven might be considered to be lucky. And this is from psychiclibrary.com, and you can find uh, the link to this on the webpage. So um, here we go. Lucky number seven. Numerous references to the number seven are found throughout history in religions, cultures, and ancient civilizations. The number seven is most associated with good luck. It's believed that the importance of the number seven began in ancient times. During that time, before the invention of the telescope, only seven planets were visible from the skies. The sun, not a planet, the moon, also not a planet, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Saturn, and Jupiter. This may explain why many ancient cultures adopted seven gods or deities. The ancient Greeks thought the number seven to be extremely lucky. Pythagoreans considered the number seven to be a perfect number. There were seven ancient Roman and Egyptian gods. Hinduism recognises seven major chakras. Those are energy centres in the human body. The Arabs built seven holy temples. In Japanese tradition, there are seven lucky gods that bring good fortune. There is also a belief that seven ancient Buddhas existed. References to the number seven appear many times in the Bible, in the Old Testament. For example, God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day was Sabbath, or the day of rest. 
Now, uh, who was it who told? Who was it who said? I think it's Eddie Izzard who says, uh, "Yes, God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day He rested, and the eighth day, and the ninth day, and that in fact He's He's been resting ever since, hasn't He? Anyway, just a joke. Anyway, um, so apparently God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day was the Sabbath or the day of rest. King Solomon's temple." took seven years to build. Every seven years is considered a holy year in the Hebrew Torah. Israelites during the Battle of Jericho were told that marching around the walls of the city seven times would ensure their victory and its walls would come tumbling down. The Kabbalah seven knot red string bracelet to protect from the evil eye and negative thoughts. So there's a a seven knot red string bracelet in the Kabbalah uh, to protect from the evil eye and negative thoughts. And in Jewish tradition, the deceased are mourned for seven days. Mourned, that's when you feel grief, you feel sad after someone has died. So the deceased are mourned for seven days in Jewish tradition, which is known as sitting Shiva. Shiva literally means seven. And as far as the Christian Bible, the New Testament, examples of the number seven are abundant. Seven seals in Revelations, seven sacraments, seven stars, seven deadly sins, seven last plagues, and seven heavenly virtues. Um, Even to gamblers, the the, the number seven is lucky. Three sevens make a blackjack, a big payout on a slot machine, and a winner... Uh, in the game of craps. The opposite sides on dice add up to seven. Uh, That's true, isn't it? If you roll a dice, um, the opposite sides. So you've got one on the top, six on the bottom, five on one side, two on the other side, four on one side, three on the other side, and so on. They always add up to seven. On the 7th of July, 2007, the casinos were full up. Um, I imagine those were casinos in in Las Vegas. They were completely full as hopefuls tried to beat the odds on this lucky date of 777. You know, if you get 777 on a gambling machine, then you get loads of money. So, uh, yeah, really? I I wonder what happened on that date, 777 in Las Vegas. It was probably a uh, historic date for uh, the casinos making money from stupid gamblers. Um, the number seven has been and still is universal. Here are some more examples. Seven wonders of the world, seven seas, seven continents, the seven hills of Rome, seven notes in a musical scale, the seventh inning stretch at a baseball game, seven colours in a rainbow, seven spots on a ladybird, uh, seven days of the week, the seven-year itch, that's apparently after you've been married for seven years, then that's when problems occur. It's called the seven-year itch. And also Snow White's seven dwarfs. It's also believed that the seventh child of a seventh child will be psychically gifted. For the most part, the number seven is associated with good luck, as I said. Just going back to all those things about seven. Now, really, if you, if you, if you look for it, I imagine you could find other things that relate to other numbers. Like if we go for the number nine and you suddenly start searching the world for uh, significant examples of the number nine, I'm sure you could find loads of them as well. Anyway, for the most part, the number seven is associated with good luck. However, in the Chinese culture... It symbolises death. Oh dear. Also, breaking a mirror is thought to bring seven years of bad luck. This superstition may have stemmed from the Romans, who believed that people underwent a physical and spiritual regeneration every seven years, and that the mirror 
was a reflection of the soul. Thus, when a mirror is broken, the person's soul would have to wait seven more years for a regeneration. However, given the examples listed here, it's almost a sure thing that the number seven is a lucky, protective and positive symbol for most people. So there you go. There's a bunch of commentary about the number seven. Um, By far the unluckiest number, or the least lucky number, no, the unluckiest, because it's not just the absence of luck, it's the presence of bad luck, isn't it? So, by far the unluckiest number is, of course, number 13, especially the date Friday the 13th. Uh, This goes back to the Christian belief that the 13th person at the Last Supper with Jesus was Judas, who betrayed Jesus and led him to be crucified. An unlucky Friday was the day that Jesus died. Um, Now, 13 is such a powerful superstition People are so convinced that it's unlucky that many hotels don't have a 13th floor and football players don't like to wear the number 13 on their back. And some people also will take a day off to avoid going outside on the 13th. Uh, Let's have a little look about some more details about number 13. Um, And here's some interesting things I've found. Uh, There's a link to uh, an article on a website called mentalfloss.com. And I found a few things about the number 13. So let me read through those for you. Um, So there is a Norse legend. Norse meaning from sort of uh, Northern Europe. I guess that includes Sweden, um, Sweden, maybe Denmark, Norway, possibly Finland. Um, there's a Norse legend that has 12 gods sitting down to a banquet when the 13th uninvited god, Loki, shows up. Um, so, okay, you know, you know Loki? You've seen the, the Marvel movies, right? Like uh, Thor and the Avengers. Loki, he's one of the Norse gods. I think he's the Norse god of mischief. He's like a bad god. So according to a Norse legend, there are 12 gods sitting down to a banquet when Loki turns up uninvited and he's the 13th one. And then Loki killed one of the other gods, which led to events that eventually resulted in Ragnarok. Uh, That's the death of a bunch of gods a slew of natural disasters and the eradication of everything on earth save for two human survivors so basically loki being the 13th god who turned up at some dinner party it ended up being well it ended up and there was a fight and then there was ragnarok and a bunch of gods died and there were loads of natural disasters and it was almost the end of the world um so there, there is a lot more to the story than that but you get the general idea. Ragnarok, I think, is the name of the new Thor movie, which should be coming out soon. Maybe that's gonna. Maybe we're gonna see the. Uh, maybe we're gonna see that terrible dinner party. Um, you know, everyone's sitting down. Mm, this is nice, lovely wine. Thanks for this, uh, 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 Thor. Oh, you're welcome. Um, you know, I like wine. Ah, oh, me too. This is a nice dinner party. Bit boring. Ah, oh, yeah. But good thing Loki's not here. Oh God. Someone invited Loki. Oh, who invited Loki? Oh, hi, Loki. Hello, it's me. It's Loki. Eh, knife, knife in the stomach. Oh, you killed me, Loki. You bastard. Oh, come on then. I'll take you all on. Boom, big fight. Ragnarok. Bunch of people die. Floods and disasters. Two people left on Earth. That's the movie, I imagine. Anyway. Uh, traditionally, there used to be 13 steps leading up to the gallows. You know you know what the gallows is? It's like the wooden structure that is used to hang someone. 
Okay, apparently there used to be 13 steps that led up the gallows. There's also a legend that a hangman's noose, that's the the rope with the knot on the end, the noose. Uh, There's a legend that the hangman's noose traditionally contained 13 turns, but it's actually more like eight. Okay, so that's not true then. Apollo 13, the, the space mission, is the only unsuccessful moon mission. It was intended to get on uh, to get men on the moon uh, but it failed uh, an oxygen tank exploded and the survival of the astronauts on board was pretty much touch and go for several days um, uh, you obviously you know all about that because you saw the movie with tom hanks and kevin bacon is kevin bacon in that film i think he is tom hanks of course houston we have a problem that one Apollo 13. There's, a, there's an old superstition that says if you have 13 letters in your name, you're bound to have the devil's luck. Wait a minute. L-U-K-E-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. 12. I'm all right. Um, so um, that sounds a bit silly, but it is slightly more convincing when you consider these people all have 12 uh, letters in their name. Charles Manson, Jack the Ripper, Jeffrey Dahmer, Theodore Bundy, uh, Albert de Salvo. They all contain 13 letters and they're all like horrible serial killers. I, I know, I know, I know. I didn't include their middle names, but never mind that. Serial killers. Um, kids often become teenagers. Te- not often. Kids officially become teenagers at the age of 13. And we all know that that's a bit of a scary and problematic phase don't we uh there also may be a mathematical theory behind the number 13 thing too throughout history the number 12 has long been connected to the idea of completeness it's a nice round number isn't it 12 there were 12 gods on mount olympus 12 signs of the zodiac 12 months in a year and 12 apostles therefore people viewed 13 as 12 plus 1 or completeness plus 1 This idea of being one away from completeness gave people a sense of uncertainty and unpredictability. Thus, they associated the number 13 with these feelings. It is true, 13 is not such a nice round number. The good thing about 12 is that you can divide it, you know, into, into, uh, you can divide it into three groups of four, four groups of three, six groups of two. As a teacher, 12 is a nice number to have in your classroom because you can divide it into all sorts of different groups. 13 is always going to be problematic because you have, okay, two, 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 uh, and three. Um, Or you have, okay, three, 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 and four. Uh, Or you can have five and a four and a four. It's just, it's not quite right. Um, Generally, the whole idea of superstition is fascinating to me. Why do we believe these things, even when we know they're not true? Or is there some actual truth in it? For example, if you stay in room 13 in a hotel, are you more likely to experience bad luck? Or is this just the placebo effect? I mean, if you feel that you've been cursed by bad luck, you know, isn't there a chance that you'll just be more likely to accept bad things happening to you? Or if you believe that you've been cursed with bad luck, anything that's bad that happens to you, you're going to make it, you're going to explain it by the bad luck thing. For example, if a black cat runs in front of you and then you go on to have, you know, you, you drop your ice cream on the floor, then it's very tempting to say, well, it, it was the black cat, wasn't it? Not necessarily. It could just be that you dropped an ice cream on the floor. You know what I mean? So how on earth do we test whether uh, bad luck actually works or not? 
it, it's probably not something we can test or or those who believe in the superstition will probably say that well the testing conditions take away the power of the luck it's like yeah all right fine um let's okay let's have a look at a few possibilities all right just to um, illustrate this point so let's say john smith stays in room 13 in a hotel and he's superstitious he then believes that he's been cursed when he's driving he's sure that he's going to have an accident and this expectation somehow leads him to make it happen he subconsciously proves that his thinking is correct Sounds like nonsense to me. Or another idea is this. John stays in room 13 and he is superstitious. He then drives his car the next day and he has an accident. Someone pulled out of a junction without looking and, it, and the car hit him. He decides that it happened because, that, because of the hotel room that he'd stayed in. Uh, and that he was cursed with bad luck. But there's absolutely no evidence to suggest it was the hotel room. It probably would have happened anyway. However, there's no way of proving it, I think. We can't go back in time to do a test. But John needs an explanation. He doesn't want to believe that the universe that the universe is basically chaotic and random, or at least far more complex than his head can understand. So he chooses to believe in the superstition because it makes it easier to live in the world. It's easier and more comfortable for John to believe in superstition than to know that some things are just completely beyond his control or his understanding. It's not pleasant to know that some things are not within your control and that we live in a random chaotic universe. So the superstition allows him to get some more control. He feels that he can control the chaos slightly because he makes some sort of connection between two events, which are in fact not connected. Uh, Next time, he won't stay in room 13. I'm sure this accounts for a lot of our beliefs. We believe things like superstitions, conspiracy theories, or even, might I say, religion, because it explains unanswered questions and allows us to hide from the fact that the universe is chaotic, unordered, and wildly beyond our control. Have a nice day. Now, let's carry on with these superstitions because they're fun to share. Uh, UK superstition number seven is wishes. Wishes. And we're talking about birthdays and bones. Okay. Now, um, you're celebrating your birthday in the UK and your English friends have bought you a cake. Now, no, that's not the bad luck. It's not that you, you have to eat an English cake. No. Actually, our cakes are delicious. Thank you very much. No, the thing is that there are candles on the cake. Of course there are. It's a birthday cake. Everybody is singing happy birthday and you have to blow out the candles. But here's the thing. Make sure that you blow them all out with one breath, because if you don't, bad luck. Also, what you should really do is close your eyes and make a wish first and then blow out the candles in one breath. And if you manage to blow out all the candles with one breath, then your wish will be granted. If not, you won't get your wish. Of course, this has no validity in it at all. It's just a superstition. But it is uh, quite normal for people to say, make a wish before blowing out the candles on a birthday cake. So if, if your English friends present you with a cake, a birthday cake, you can expect to hear someone say, make a wish, and you have to make a wish, and then you have to blow them all out in one. And then everyone goes, yay, like that, it's particularly for kids. 
So why do candles on, on birthday cakes have magic powers? Well, it's not just birthday cakes, though. It's chickens or turkeys, too, when they're cooked for Sunday roast. There's a wishbone in a chicken or a turkey, a wishbone. It's a particular bone, and, and you can find it at the end of the neck of a bird, where the neck meets the body. And it's forked in shape, with two little bones forking out at angles on either side. Now, the tradition is for two people to hold on to the two bones with their little fingers, these two bones which are attached at, uh, at either end. They hold on to the bones with their little fingers, you close your eyes, make a wish, and then you pull. And the one whose bone doesn't break... So the one who ends up with the bigger piece will have their wish granted. There you go. Uh, Number eight, weddings. Now, there are tons and tons of superstitions relating to weddings. Um, And weddings are already complicated enough because you have so much to worry about, including invitations, seating plans, food and wine choices, location, music, vows, transport options, speeches, the dress, the rings, the readings, the RSVPs, children, babysitters, flowers and photographers... But if that wasn't complicated enough, there are also some superstitions to be aware of. Now, according to superstition, brides should wear something old, something new, something borrowed and something blue as part of their outfit. Something old, that could be a piece of old jewellery, for example. Uh, Something new is obvious, just something new. Something borrowed is, you know, could be uh, something you borrow from your mother or your grandmother or something. And something blue. Obviously, it's the colour. So maybe a, a blue garter or a, a, a blue uh, a pair of underpa- undies or something. Uh, if not, then I suppose the wedding will somehow be cursed because of the magic of stuff. Then there are loads of other rings. Uh, thing? Rings? Rings? Things. Okay. Then there are loads of other things, including the colour of the dress. For example, one poem or one verse goes, Married in white, you have chosen right. Married in black you will wish yourself back uh, to the day of the wedding as well. You've got Monday for health, Tuesday for wealth, Wednesday best of all, Thursday for losses, Friday for crosses, Saturday for no luck at all. So the things that you see on the way to the ceremony, um, so this includes things you see on the way to the ceremony for brides, Apparently lambs, let's baby sheep, lambs are lucky, but pigs are unlucky. For grooms, policemen and clergymen are lucky, apparently. Random. Uh, For more on UK wedding superstitions, you can click a link here on the the website. There's tons of stuff. Absolutely tons of it. Um, See, the the thing about superstitions is that I'm ready to say, oh, it's all nonsense. I don't believe any of it. But even as I say that, there's part of me in the back of my mind that's going... Be careful what you say, Luke. Don't tempt fate. It's like this little feeling of fear of like, oh, I can't have a go at superstitions because I'm going to get bad luck. It's weird, isn't it? It's really weird. What do you think? What do you think about this? Do you, do you feel the same as me? Um, number nine from a list of 13 is uh, ladders. Now, never walk under a ladder in the UK. You know, if there's someone doing some work on, a, on the front of a building and they've got their ladder up over the pavement and the ladder comes out and you can walk under the ladder or maybe walk into the street to walk around it, apparently you should never walk under the ladder uh, because it will bring bad luck. Because it used to be associated with walking to the hanging scaffold. I mentioned the hanging scaffold before, that wooden structure which was used um, in executions as a way of hanging people. 
Um, that's the scaffold. So apparently the ladder was associated with walking to the hanging scaffold. That sounds a bit grim, doesn't it? Um, that's a bit grim. But the fact is that many Brits will even cross the street rather than walk under a ladder, me included. But perhaps there is some common sense in this. Uh, if you can imagine, someone who is up the ladder might drop something and it might land on your head. So it's quite good, it's quite common sense, really, to avoid a ladder. And uh, so that's how I justify it to myself. Oh, I don't want to walk under a ladder. Someone might drop a pot of paint on my head or something, even though there's nobody up the ladder. Um, number 10, sneezing. Sneezing. Now, you probably know it's polite to say bless you when someone sneezes in the UK. But did you know that the custom might have originated in the 6th century? The theory is that sneezing was seen as the first symptom of the plague. The plague, of course, was a horrible uh, infectious disease that swept through Europe, killing millions of people. So um, the theory was that the sneezing was seen as the first symptom of the plague. So people would say a blessing to ward off the disease. Bless you, meaning God bless you, meaning I hope that you don't get sick from the plague and die. Um, it, Again, a bit grim. Another theory is that people thought sneezing stopped your heart for just a moment and saying bless you would make sure that your heart keeps beating. Okay. Um, number 11. Keep your shoes off the furniture. Now, that's not just because they're dirty, but according to, the, to one UK superstition, putting shoes on the table, especially brand new shoes in particular, is bad luck. Some people even avoid putting shoes on chairs or footstools. Now, I think that before you start thinking that we would actually ever put dirty old shoes on a table, that's wrong. This, this applies particularly to new shoes. Don't put new shoes on the table. Don't even put them on the chairs or on a footstool. One explanation is that in coal mining communities, particularly in the north of England in the 19th century, a miner's shoes would be placed on the table if he was killed in an accident. And then this gesture of placing shoes on a table became a symbol of death. It's all about death, isn't it? We're all so scared of... We're clearly petrified of death um and we will do anything we'll think of any old nonsense just to avoid it but uh you can't avoid it in the end can you uh number 12 black cats oh yes oh yes confusingly though black cats can be both lucky and unlucky in the uk depending on who you ask some people say it's a sign that good things are going to come if a black cat crosses your path while for others it's a terrible warning now true i've never known if it's good or bad luck um, but anyway, how about this, right? Recently, I was walking down the street. I was walking down the street confidently, it was sort of at night, and a black cat started walking across my path. But it stopped and it looked at me, it saw me coming, it got scared and it ran away. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that the, the cat's going to have bad luck because I walked past it? That's what I like to think. I don't believe that cats can define my destiny if anything i'll be defining their destiny thank you very much number 13 rabbits so we just talked about cats what about rabbits well in the uk rabbits are also supposed to be good luck for some reason keeping a rabbit's foot will bring you luck and in fact some people even have a rabbit's foot in their pocket or attached to their key ring that's right an actual dead rabbit's foot in your pocket just the foot uh, it's sort of disgusting, isn't it? But you can even you can actually get fake 
rabbit feet as well. And some people have a fake rabbit's foot on the end of a key ring. It's weird, isn't it? Just the foot. Just a little bit of a rabbit. It's disgusting and weird. Apparently saying the words white rabbit are also supposed to bring good luck, especially at the beginning of the month. That's right. When I was a kid, I remember that. Uh, On the first day of the month, the first words that you're supposed to say are white rabbit. And that gives you good luck. And I remember I used to go to school on the first day of the month and my friends would be like, did you say white rabbit? And I'm like, what? Oh, I forgot again. In fact, I don't think I've ever said white rabbit on the first day of a month ever. I always manage to forget. Um, There you go. So that's the list of 13 things. There are some other things too. Uh, Here are some other things as well that I've noticed from my life in general. general. Uh, Walking over two drains is lucky, but three is unlucky. Now, when you're walking down the street in in a city, let's say London or something, you'll find that on the pavement you get these covers which cover uh, the drains that go under the pavement. And uh, they're easy to remove, you know, if... if, uh, engineers need to work on the draining system uh, they can easily remove these covers and go down and sometimes you get one cover sometimes you get um, a series of two or three covers and apparently if you walk over if you step on two drains two drain covers that's lucky but if you step on three it's unlucky and again that's something i can't help um doing when i'm walking around if i see two drains i'll i'll purposefully walk over them but if i see three I'll avoid them. Sometimes I'll be walking down the street with my girlfriend and I'll actually like uh, let go of her hand so I can walk around two drain covers. And she's like, what are you doing? And I I said, I don't want to walk on those covers. And she says, you're insane, but I love you. Um, Other things, horseshoes, you know, the metal shoes that we fit onto onto the bottom of horses' feet. They have uh, good and bad luck traditions as well. If you have a horseshoe as decoration in your home, they, they, they make quite nice decorations. Uh, it's very important that you keep the horseshoe uh, up so it looks like the letter U. That's how it should be put on the wall because that way it holds the good luck. And if you, uh, if you turn it the other way around uh, so that it looks like an N, then all the luck will fall out. And apparently, if you put it on the side, then the devil will use it as a chair. Okay, why is the devil using that as a chair? Why didn't he use just a chair as a chair? And why is the devil so small? I thought the devil was, like, all big and everything. Don't get scared, because I'm talking about the devil, okay? Um, I'm just wondering, why does he choose to sit in that? Why doesn't he sit in a chair like everyone else? Anyway, that's horseshoes. Eggshells as well, eggshells. You know... For example, you've just had a boiled egg in the morning. You've taken off the top of the egg and you've dipped in some toast and you've eaten it with a spoon. Yum, yum, yum. Delicious. What do you do with the eggshell, the empty eggshell? Well, apparently you're supposed to crack the bottom of that eggshell. Why? So that the devil can't make a boat. Whoa. The devil must be some kind of badass dude if he's using an an eggshell as a boat. Come on, the devil doesn't sound that scary if, if he uses an eggshell as a boat. He must be tiny. Uh, I know that I'm tempting fate when I say that, but, uh, you know, what the hell, touch wood and all that. Um, anyway, you're supposed to crack the bottom of your eggshell before you throw it away so that the devil can't use it as a boat. Where's he going in this boat? Anyway, no one's told me that. 
Um, the other thing, of course, which is very common when you're with international people, let's say you're at the, you've gone to the pub with a bunch of people from different countries. One of the big things is when you say cheers, you have to make eye contact when you say cheers. And everyone, you know, everyone's like, why are you going to make eye contact? Everyone's staring at each other in the eyes like crazy people as you take a drink. It's quite a frightening moment, actually. Cheers, cheers, cheers. Oh, God. And staring everyone in the eyes. Why is it so important to stare deep into people's eyes when you ha- when you have a drink well apparently if you don't you'll get seven years of bad sex oh my god is that the worst one that's why everyone's staring deep into each other's souls directly through the their uh their eyes right through the the optic nerve there burning out the optic nerves before they take a drink because i don't want to have seven years of bad sex it's like how can i have seven years of bad sex when i haven't even had sex for seven years well exactly can you remember seven years ago when you had a drink? You didn't say you didn't lock eyes with the person when you were uh, saying cheers. Anyway, I am. I would not be surprised if that is something that happens in your countries. Let me know in the comments section. Um, some people have lucky underpants, right? For example, uh, if if some young guy is going out on a date or if he's going to go out to a nightclub. He might put on a special pair of underpants because he believes that they're lucky. Maybe this is a pair of underpants that he was wearing once when he managed to pick up some girl and now they've become his lucky underpants. So sometimes people have lucky objects like a lucky pair of underpants. Mm -hmm. I hope that those underpants get washed and that washing them doesn't wash away the luck. Anyway, um, right. So that pretty much is it. That's the end of uh, this series. This series of thirteen superstitions in the UK. Um, keep those things in mind. If you go to the UK or if you're with British people, um, then you can talk about those things and also just um, be aware of those things. Like, don't walk under ladders. Don't open your umbrella in the house. Watch out for certain numbers. Um, saying cheers and all that kind of thing. All right. Good. Now, as I've been mentioning all the way through the episode please do leave your comments and thoughts and things on teacherluke.co.uk find the page for this episode and just share what you um what you think about the subject of superstitions and also share your superstitions from around the world i'm curious to see if you have the same ones as us or if you have like radically different ones what are some of the weirdest and strangest superstitions that you have um For example, uh, I think in Japan, they say that you shouldn't clip your fingernails, you know, cut your fingernails. You shouldn't cut your fingernails at night. And something like, if you do cut your fingernails at night, then your parents will die. (laughs) Something like really harsh like that. So, whoa, whoa, that that escalated quickly. Um, And also, if you see a a, a hearse and like a funeral procession, you know those big black cars that are used in funerals? If you see one of those in Japan, you have to hide your thumbs. Hide your thumbs if you see a hearse. I'm not sure why, but it's fascinating, isn't it? So share some of those funny and interesting and hopefully quite bizarre superstitions uh, with us. I think, it's a, I think it's a really cool subject and it's good fun to talk about it. Um, don't forget also to claim your free audiobook, um, Audible Trial uh dot com forward slash teacher luke i've been banging on about it but uh i genuinely think it's a good offer the service is great i use audible a lot um i've downloaded like three audiobooks so far 
I'm a member now and I get one audiobook every month as part of the package. Um, and um, I'm a huge Beatles fan, so I've got two Beatles books in there and I've got another book by John Ronson, which I've talked to you about already on the podcast. Um, if you are wondering what which books to, to get, then you can check out this ever-growing list of the uh, most popular books in the UK, which I'm, uh, which I'm now... I'm now publishing on the website um, because I expect this is going to be a long-running thing where at the beginning of every episode I mention uh, one of the UK's most popular books. And uh, so far, at number one, we've had The Lord of the Rings. Uh, Number two was Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Number three, His Dark Materials by Philip Pullman. And number four was The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. This list is based on a BBC survey. They are read out by famous actors. For example, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is read out by Stephen Fry. And he's perfect. He's the perfect voice for that book. Um, So check it out. Uh, Make sure that you use uh, my unique Audible uh, code which is audibletrial.com forward slash teacher luke uh because uh that's the way that you can sign up for that 30 day free tr- free trial get your audiobook download it transfer it onto your computer and then if you like you can just cancel the membership you won't pay anything no problem all right good so don't forget to do that too um and that's it thanks so much for listening to luke's english podcast thank you very much for being wonderful listeners and for leaving such lovely comments and and things like that all over the website you really are magical and wonderful and brilliant if you got to the end of this episode then a special shout out to you for being a sort of super special super duper luke's english podcast ninja listener uh and uh and uh, that's it i'm gonna stop talking now Yes, I am. Okay, thanks again for listening. Speak to you again soon. But for now, goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks again for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.